0: Hey, it's Katie Helper. And before listening to today's episode of Useful Idiots, Matt Taibbi and I just want to clarify that we recorded this week's episode before the story of the impeachment in Ukraine really blew up. So you can look forward to us talking about it on next week's episode. As always, you can find us on iTunes, where you can rate and review us, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, and on YouTube. Enjoy the show.
1: Welcome to Useful Idiots.
0: <laughs> that was so dramatic. <laughs> Welcome to Useful Idiots.
1: I'm Matt Taibbi.
0: And I'm Katie Halper. We have cups. We have cups. Guys, It's we have made it. We have arrived.
1: The funny thing is there's only two of these in existence. Like They, they literally only spent that much money to do it, but that's a huge step.
0: That makes them, you know... Valuable. Mm-hmm. Delicacies.
1: Yeah, no, and, and the funny thing is about lefties, as soon as somebody does something like this for you, you feel like you've really arrived. Like, we've oh, yeah. hit, you've hit the big time. We've they, totally made bought it. Bought, yeah. like, a piece of merchandise for us. So. Yeah. And we're, we're, going to, um, we're going to talk to Nathan Robinson yes, today. Yes,
0: Nathan Robinson, the um, editor and founder of Current Affairs. He is also the author of a new book called Why You Should Be a Socialist. And uh, he's also the author of Trump: Anatomy of a Monster, Right. Um, and we yeah. very
1: intentionally had Nathan on in this show. We wanted
0: him on because of his recent piece about um, Liz Warren versus Bernie Sanders.
1: Right. Which has suddenly sort of exploded into view on multiple fronts, uh, yeah. in both in the popular culture, in the news, and on, on social media. So, what do we have in the news this week for food groups? We got Republicans suck, Democrats suck. Yeah. Oh, I'm a Republican yeah, suck. Yeah, you're Republican suck. So, I don't really have understand. a Republican suck. I, my Republican suck is just Sean Spicer's Dancing with the Stars costume. Did you That's see it? That's triggering. Did you see it?
0: I didn't see it because I knew you were talking about that, so I kind of wanted to surprise, I, to leave it as okay, a surprise. Yeah, okay, so you, you should look so, at it now. Okay. In real time? Mm-hmm. Do you watch that show, or did you just happen to come across his image?
1: I'm going to plead the fifth on that one. Oh,
0: you do watch it?
1: Yeah. Dancing the salsa with his partner, Lindsay, it's Sean Spicer. The difficulty I had was whether this is Republicans suck or Republicans are awesome. It's kind of a little bit of both. Right. The costume is amazing. It looks like somebody dropped a lemon rind on him from space.
0: What is that even? It's like a Carmen Miranda shirt.
1: It's like 1970s figure skating meets Elton John meets something. I can't quite figure out what what the third thing is. Right. There's a celebrity math equation in there somewhere. On the one hand, you really want to salute him for it. Yeah. That takes, you know... Tremendous guts to go out yeah. there. Yeah, do you think he like chose that. it? The I, outfit. I, I hope somebody chose it for him, and that he just acceded to it because that's funny both ways.
0: Right. He. So just so people know, right? We want right. to describe it. Uh, if you're watching this on video, of course you'll see it. But it's a kind of bright yellow, almost chartreuse, has I, some green in it.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, plunging V neckline and ruffly sleeves. I mean, I think chiffon
1: is a word that has to be in there somewhere, doesn't it?
0: I think there's, yeah, I think the ruffles on the on the plunging V and on the sleeves (laughs) in chiffon. Also, he's doing this move like this.
1: Oh, I know. Yeah, he's like shimmying. Like, yeah, exactly. It's really
0: kind of amazing. Is his hair a little blonder than usual? I feel like he.
1: Yeah. And there's a, there's sort of an m M&M m kind of platinum yes, blonde thing yes, going on there. Exactly. So it's like a, it's like an age advanced m m hardcore right wing ex Republican aficionado in a bright chiffon 70s. Figure skater costume. And then I like the kind of, and you know this is touches me personally because I can connect with it, but the sort of thickening middle age midriff. The bulge, yeah. Yeah, exactly. This is on the scale of commendable versus just embarrassing. Right. I'm, I'm it's gonna, almost awesome. I'm going to tilt to commendable on this because not many people would have the guts to do this. Literally but...
0: the guts. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Guess how much he gets paid for to appear on the show.
1: I don't know. How much does he get paid?
0: A minimum of 125000 Per episode? I don't. It says to appear on the show, which makes it sound like that's just that's it.
1: I would do that for $125,000. Although that would live forever on the Internet. So who knows? Yeah.
0: I just also want to give a shout out to uh, Sean Spicer. Not only did he look like he was wearing a lemon meringue or a pineapple, uh, but he also once said, I don't know if you remember this, that um, Hitler was not using the gas on his own people the same way that Assad is doing. What did
2: you mean by that? I, I think when you come to sarin gas, uh, there was no—he was not using the gas on his own people the same way that shot is doing. I mean, there was clearly—I I, I understand yes. your point. Thank you. Yes. I, I thank
0: you. I
1: appreciate that. So, he and, he, was, and what he meant by that was he—he he was trying to say that the only—the only people who he gassed were not really German, right? Right. Yeah. And in fact, they were German. They were.
0: Many of them were German. Some of them were German, some weren't. But, you know, that's kind of a weird point to make. I'm not sure you have to... He's wrong, but also, like, you know, he's basically... That's a Hitler apologizing line. It's not just inaccurate. And he was Trump's... In a way, it makes sense because he was Trump's spokesman. So he should be totally ignorant and, um, like, incoherent and makes things up.
1: I think you should always catch yourself when when you want to make one of those, you know... But but Hitler yeah but the Nazis yeah but Hitler right. that like that those it just never works yeah. out just don't go there
0: yeah and usually though um, with politicians it's the other way it's like it's comparing criticism of Israel to the Nazis you know right. stuff like that
1: so basically that's your reason why we shouldn't feel bad for for making fun of his lemon meringue well
0: costume. I just wanted it to be put into context that he also has other hits great okay. great hits
1: all right all right what do, what do we have for Democrats suck
0: uh, for Democrats suck we have a story about Modi the Prime Minister of India, who was greeted at an event uh, called Howdy Modi.
1: Howdy Modi. It's pretty
0: good. It's a pretty good
1: pun. Yeah, I know it is. Yeah. Yep.
0: So everyone probably knows that he's a very authoritarian prime minister dude, an authoritarian dude. He's like has a lot of blood on his hands for basically encouraging um, riots and the killing of a lot of Muslims Mm -hmm. in Gujarat. First, our top story. For the first time in the history of
2: independent India, a sitting chief minister, Narendra Modi, has been questioned on the role of his government in mass murders in connection with the post-Gudra riots in Gujarat. And
0: everyone, I think, associates him with Netanyahu and with Trump. Because uh, they're all good friends. In fact, there's great video of Netanyahu and Modi, like holding hands on the beach. Wow! It's really, it's really moving. So everyone associates him with, with Republicans, but he also was praised by Steny Hoyer, the the Democratic congressman. Mm-hmm. And what's amazing about the Steny Hoyer thing is not only did he welcome him, but he also <laughs> praised um, Gandhi and Nehru in the same speech.
1: What did he say?
0: Let's see. He said, um, U.S. Democratic leader praised uh, not just Modi, but Nehru's vision of secularism Mm -hmm. at Howdy Modi event. Um, U.S. House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer, while welcoming Prime Minister Modi at the event on Sunday, had invoked Mahatma Gandhi and India's first Prime Minister Nehru in his speech, which is very weird because they're very different.
1: Gandhi and Nehru?
0: Well, no. They kind of got along. But Gandhi, Nehru as one And Modi. And Modi, yeah. So Gandhi was probably
1: the only three people from that part of the world that Hoyer knew.
0: This is a pathetic, actually, really pathetic uh, thing that he said, Hoyer.
1: And like America, proud of its ancient traditions to secure a future according to Gandhi's teaching and Nehru's vision of India as a secular democracy with respect for pluralism and human rights safeguard every individual.
0: Okay, so first of all, that makes it sound like America and India have this shared ancient tradition of Gandhian Nehruvian, Nehruvian secular democracy.
1: Secular, okay. Right. But
0: do you think that was a dig at at Modi or is he just so
1: stupid? I mean, it's sort of a dig at Republicans in general because the Republican the Democrat Republican tension there is always that America was a country, the Republicans always say that America was a country founded on Christian principles. Democrats always push back on that, so I guess maybe that's a way to kind of say, but hey, it's our it's our fellow secular democracy friend that doesn't really have as long a tradition of that as we do. I don't know. I mean, it's but it it's you, kind of incoherent. No was matter it how a you. dig
0: at Modi? Was he trying to say, Modi, you better have a secular democracy or no?
1: I don't know. I don't think so. Just, I wish it, it More, it just doesn't really make sense. Yeah,
0: and then he commended Gandhi for having, uh, for wanting to wipe every tear from every eye and saying as long as there are tears and suffering so long our work will not be over. In that sense, the work of our countries is not over. So it's a kind of weird thing. I guess he doesn't rot like Sajit Ray, who's a very good director, because he could have compared him to Modi to him. But yeah, I don't, you know, Gandhi, obviously, in case people don't know, big peace activist pacifist. Um,
1: <laughs> if you haven't heard of this fellow Gandhi... Take, yeah. yeah. So
0: it's a... And Nehru was a very very secular and of course, like Modi is a, uh, you know, a Hindu nationalist and part mm-hmm. of BJP, which is a Hindu nationalist party.
1: So it's kind of an insult to all of them, frankly. I mean, still. yeah.
0: I think Gandhi and Nehru especially would be upset. And uh, Modi, because he is a fascist light, I don't know if I'd call him a fascist, but definitely authoritarian Hindu fundamentalist, he's probably offended. Right. Like, I don't think he likes these guys.
1: Right. It's very strange. That's a very strange thing for Hoyer to do. He's yeah. kind of an odd dude anyway. He's
0: very weird. Yeah. Manages to be nondescript and unlikable at the same time.
1: Right. Which is not something that's easy to pull off in American politics. Although there, there are a few people like that. Harry Reid's kind of like that. Yes. If you asked a hundred people in America what Harry Reid looks like, you'd probably get a hundred different descriptions.
0: Could you? He's so boring looking, though.
1: But that's the whole point. Can you, can you reconstruct? Oh,
0: I see. That'd could you sit down a with a police artist? artist? Yeah. yeah, we like, should do that.
1: Hire a sketch artist? Can we
0: do that on the show?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have money for cups. We can we probably hire a yeah, sketch artist. I feel artist. like those
0: people are underpaid, and they probably would love a chance to be on a popular podcast. So if
1: you're a sketch artist out there, we, we want to hire you. We, wanna, we want you to hold one of these cups in the next episode, yeah. and we're going to tr- attempt to recreate a picture of Harry Reid. Yeah. And Steny Hoyer. And Steny Hoyer, yeah. That would be really funny. I bet it would look nothing like either of them.
0: Yeah, and what about isn't that terrible? What do we got? So, not, I mean, the Modi thing is kind of terrible. And stuff,
1: it it is kind of terrible. So for for isn't that terrible? The uh, World Health Organization released a report on suicide worldwide and this is just if you're looking for something to feel terrible about a reason to not go outside and and to just stay home and listen to this podcast podcast over and over again you can think about this the globally the entire world now the uh, suicides have declined 9.8 percent over the course of the last eight years so from 2010 roughly through now except in the americas uh, in the United States... Um, we are at
0: the forefront of a lot of things.
1: Yeah, so this is from the American Psychological Association. The increase in the rate of death by suicide in the United States between 2000 and 2016, from 10.4 to 13.5 per uh, 100,000 people, this is one of the largest increases in the world. The rate increased about 1% per year from 2000 to, through 2006, and about 2% per year from 2006 to through, through 2016, so... You're twice as likely to to commit suicide as you were even 10 or 15 years ago. Mm. And here's another thing the highest rates of suicide now are for ages 70 and over. So even if you don't feel like committing suicide now, you may in a few years. Yeah, that's coming. So the highest suicide rates, the very highest suicide rates, are for. Uh, males in the highest income bracket.
0: Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. I knew it was white. White
1: males in the highest income bracket.
0: Highest income bracket. Yeah. I wonder why so, that is. So
1: globally it's lower, but in, in the United States there's a particular spike. Uh, for people in the highest income bracket. And then there's there's that corresponds with another spike if you happen to be over 70. So if you're so like me, to, if you're a white male, who's heading towards 70, uh, so, heading sooner towards rather 70. than later, um, this is something you have to look forward to. And just the whole point of it that around the world sort of things are looking up, you know, people are killing themselves less, except here. And it right. has nothing to do with economics. It's, it's our own screwed up psychology or culture or something like that. that I is, guess there's is an emptiness
0: this. in life? That's terrible.
1: All right, so what do we have for Isn't That Weird?
0: Oh, so for Isn't That Weird, we have a, uh, it's almost an Isn't That Weird, Isn't That Amazing. And it's a story of Yiddish classes for dogs. I'm going to sign up my my family's dog, uh, Bodhi, who is really, by the way, totally adorable. Let's see, let me play this. a
2: select few New Yorkers can speak to their dogs in a second language. A Yiddish for Dogs
1: class was held today in Central Park. There we go. It was put on by the nonprofit Workman's Circle, which offers the largest Yiddish language program in the world with more than 800 students annually.
2: Yiddish, I find that the words are pretty sharp. So, say for example, the sit command, we say sit. Uh, in Yiddish, it's zits so Zitz. dogs really get the tones of words very well so I, I find they actually responded to it probably better than in english
0: that's a dog trainer named miguel rodriguez by the miguel way, miguel
1: rodriguez is teaching yiddish to this dogs. is beautiful you got a spanish guy teaching yiddish to dogs <laughs> i don't think oh he's spanish
0: God. i think he means latino but totally. it's so cute he's wearing a bush <laughs> I have to have Bodhi, so my, we have an adopted dog. I'm going to have to have her um, wear babushka and also speak, learn Yiddish. And if not, I'm going to lecture her about how she's like a self-loathing Jew. Excellent. It's well, that thing.
1: is that is weird. All right, so what happened in the world this week? Had a, a crazy thing happen on uh, online last week.
0: Okay, so two things happened in um, Bernie bro, bro, alleged Bernie bro world. And everyone thinks I'm holding on to it and in the moment has passed, but no. That narrative is very much alive. So the Working Families Party... Which is kind of it's both kind of a a grassroots organization and sometimes a party, also a political party. You can run on, yeah, it is. So they decided to endorse Elizabeth Warren over Bernie Sanders, which is fine, but they didn't reveal the votes. How the votes broke down, right? They so we don't know how much the leadership's votes counted versus the membership. Now, last time when they endorsed uh, Sanders, which was to be fair, a no-brainer because it was Sanders and Clinton. Uh, They released how the votes broke down. So you saw the leadership was like 80 percent Sanders. So now they're not releasing it. Um, So in theory, it could have been like, you know, all the members could have had 10 percent of the vote and the leadership could have had 90. I mean, just as an example.
1: Right. And then basically that happened. And then.
0: So that happened. There was a lot of backlash and people were very angry about the endorsement and the lack of. Transparency, And so then if you read, you know, follow the news, according to lots of websites and news sites, um, there were vile attacks um, against some of the leadership vile. of color from Working Families Party, from Sanders supporters. Um, and 100 uh, or so black leaders signed onto a letter which demanded that Sanders condemn these, these vile attacks. And then, on a related note... Um, there is a trans actress who criticized Sanders for not showing up to an LGBTQ forum. And, and so this woman also was, was bullied. Uh, vile attacks from Bernie Sanders supporters forced trans actress Angelica Ross off Twitter. OK, so let's start with this one and then we'll go back to the Working Families Party, sure. right? Because, again, this is all part of the vile attack culture that is so uh, problematic and it defines Bernie Sanders supporters. So, guys, I just want to make sure that um, I should give you guys a trigger warning because this is kind of upsetting language. Here's what um, Angelica Ross, the trans actress said. So I spoke to a guardian after the LGBTQ forum and held back nothing. Spoke of the huge misstep from absent candidates as well. And here's some of the vicious backlash she got. Someone said to her, again, guys, if you're, if you're sensitive, you may want to leave the room. To question Bernie Sanders stance on LGBTQ rights is the most ridiculous thing ever and shows your bias against him. He's been an ally before it was cool and socially acceptable. While every other candidate just hopped on the equality train, Warren was a Republican not too long ago. So that's just like really hurtful harassment right there.
1: I'm sorry. That was the harassment? Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. here's another one. Ready? So it's homophobic to have prior obligations. I love how she made it a point to attack Sanders, but not the other candidates who couldn't attend, but continue to praise Warren, who used to be against gender-affirming surgery for trans men and women. If, you're, if you guys, if listeners have recovered from that attack, I'm gonna, I'm gonna proceed, okay? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not calling any Democratic candidate homophobic. I just don't like how Angelica Ross assumed Bernie to be homophobic by charging him with this minor offense. By her definition, a lot of candidates are transphobic, including the one she praises. So these are the affa- the assaults. The online assaults that forced this woman to leave Twitter.
1: Part of what drives me crazy about this story, it reminds me of an old uh, tale about Lyndon Johnson. There was a story that when he was running for this for Congress, um, he instructed one of his advisors to accuse his opponent of having sex with pigs. Mm-hmm. And the the guy said, "Jesus, Lyndon, we can't accuse the guy of being a pig fucker." And Johnson right. says, "Let's let the son of a bitch deny it." Right. right. Yeah. And so this is kind of the tactic. It's not necessarily that. That Sanders did anything, but if you if you make the opponent deny that there is something, or Deni- yeah, right, then, then it becomes a headline, right? Then it becomes it, a thing, and it and it, and it self perpetuates. Right. This is in social media era. These stories, have they have more legs than they used to of course, in the yeah. old days because in the old days, it required um, a bunch of uh, reporters to make that decision to continually stoke it over and over again. But now you can keep it alive artificially. Right.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's another thing. It's like, I mean, this is not harassment. Sorry. It's not harassment. These, I mean, you, the irony is you could find harassment of any any politician has people who support him or her who harass people online.
1: And, and also I think one part of the story with the with the other one with the Working Family Party yeah. Families Party, like you don't even, we don't even know who these people are that they're they're condemning. Right. They could easily be like the Near Tandon trolls who are, you know, legion on the line. Yeah, anime. exactly.
0: Right. I have countless screenshots of people calling Bree, Anna Joy Gray, who's Sanders press secretary, um, uh, white adjacent.
1: White adjacent. Yeah.
0: Nina Turner is Bernie's slave. She's a hood rat. The point is no one stands, no one condemns the smearing and the attacks and the vile attacks online of women or people of color or transgender people, not to sound like I'm being too self-righteous here, but no one condemns them when the people at the receiving end are Sanders supporters.
1: This this whole thing is art, art, an artificially stoked right. outrage yeah. and it's ridiculous and it's just it's,
0: I'm torn because part of me wants to ignore it. But also, I do think it needs to be addressed and like put to bed because there is so there are so many people who buy into this myth that Sanders is problematic and his supporters are problematic. And there's this unique problem among Sanders supporters.
1: Well, I think the problem would die down if, if reporters stop talking about right. it. Right. You know? But as so, long as they do. Yeah. 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 Finally, really quick. Obviously, the United States on the brink of war with Iran. Yeah. But our response collectively to this is we just wanted to read the amusing tweets of Ahmadinejad, Mahmoud yeah. Ahmadinejad because his his Twitter account's awesome.
0: It's very good. I agree with about 80% of it and extremely enthusiastically.
1: They're kind of beautiful in a way. Uh, oh, he's a poet. Throughout history, the secret to success has been love, freedom, Injustice.
0: I want to read my favorite one, can I? Sure, yeah. One of the main objectives of the Black Panther Party, hashtag Black Panther Party, was feeding the hungry, which did not sit well with the United States government. Brother Huey, October 15th, it's time to fight back, that's what Huey said, two shots in the dark, now Huey's dead. Now, do you know who that's quoting?
1: No. Tupac. Tupac, really? His,
0: his uh, cover of Changes.
1: Wow, that's excellent. It's
0: time to fight back, that's what Huey said, two shots in the dark, now Huey's
1: Here's one that, would, that would spoke to me personally. Sports and athletics are the, are the best ways to connect people to each other. Congratulations to the young men of the at Patriots on winning the hashtag Super Bowl. And the people of the greater hashtag New England area, hashtag Super Bowl 53.
0: Yeah, he's really not afraid of the hashtag. <laughs> I didn't even read all the hashtags he'd used in that, but he used a lot more than I read.
1: He's really quite a sports fan. I really That's one of the things I really like about him.
0: Well, uh, here's a kind of Elizabeth... Oh, we should do who said it, Elizabeth Warren or Ahmadinejad, because listen to this, ready? Actually, this part is like Marianne Williamson. Throughout history, the secret to success has been love, freedom, and justice, right? That's Marianne mm-hmm. Williamson. He's channeling her. Now, this part could be Warren. When power is in the hands of the elites, it will lead to corruption and inequality. Wow. Ahmedinejad or Warren.
1: How about Ahmadinejad or Hillary Clinton? Yeah, let's do it. Um, we all originate from the same root and truth and have been created to love.
0: I don't think that's, that's edgy enough for Ahmadinejad, so I'm going to go with Hillary.
1: That's Ahmadinejad.
0: Really? Yeah,
1: and when I, and when I ran an advanced uh, search for Hillary uh, for the word truth, uh, the, the one that came up was, our founders embraced the enduring truth that we are stronger together. Quote, Hillary.
0: Oh, so she self-quoted. <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. one of them quotes Tupac, one of them quotes herself. Just saying. Hashtag just saying.
1: When I looked up the Black Panther one, because yeah. you, you did that whole Black Panther tweet, I wanted to see if Hillary had ever quoted the Black Panthers. And what came up was, Saw Black Panther with Bill this afternoon and loved it. Beautiful film, lots of action, and a great message. Don't miss it.
0: I wonder what she thinks the message
1: is. I'm not sure. Here's one. Happy birthday to the great Malcolm X. Hashtag Malcolm X Day. Hashtag May 19th. You can't separate peace from freedom because no one else, no one can be at peace unless he has his freedom.
0: Whoa. Well, that's going to be, even without the hashtags, I would guess that that was Ahmedinejad because I don't think Hillary Clinton would praise Malcolm X.
1: Yeah, no results. For Hillary Clinton and, Mal- and even the word Malcolm,
0: right? Exactly. Maybe she likes Malcolm in the Middle.
1: There's, there's Oh almost, yeah,
0: very centrist uh, plot.
1: There's no results for Malcolm. No results for basketball. He tweets about basketball constantly. He he, he congratulated the Virginia Cavaliers and the CAA when tweets about Kyrie Irving every now and then. The only thing we we have to say about the Iran America conflict right now is that you should just follow this Twitter account more because it's it's funny. I mean, he's the former president. And he's he's, he's really woke. a ham and a sports fan,
0: and woke, too. and
1: woke. Yeah. yeah, exactly. He's more woke than any of our politicians. Yeah, he's also insane, which is really interesting. So right. we're going to um, we're going to talk to Nathan Robinson. Yes today.
0: So excited to be talking to Nathan Robinson, who is the founder um, and editor of Current Affairs, also the author of um, a few books now. You got your Trump book, You got your Clinton book. And now, Why You Should Be a Socialist.
2: Why You Should Be a Socialist is the next one, yeah. Yeah, uh,
0: so, like and you also have a really great article out on the differences between uh, Warren and Sanders. So, where where to start? Where to begin?
1: I mean, I think we should start with the Warren-Sanders yeah. thing because this is, this is so sure, much yeah. in the news right so now. So in the news, yeah. And, and All over, yeah. I, uh, not to, to preface this question, I, I have been trying to not touch this subject for yeah. a while because I thought it was kind of unfair to both candidates, mm-hmm. um, right. this narrative of the of there being a divide between the two of them. But in the last, I don't know, Nathan, if you feel this way, but in the last two or three weeks, the outpouring mm-hmm. of uh, affection for yeah. Warren in the national media has been so, so overwhelming and overt. And I don't know exactly yes. what that's <laughs> related to, but is, uh, did you notice that? And, and what's that all about? Oh, yeah. It, yeah.
2: Well, so um, you're completely right. There's been a change. And I held off too on this because when I saw Sanders and Warren at the debates together, they were kind of unified, and I really liked it. They were working together to smack down the other candidates. It was very satisfying, and I was like, "I don't want to, I don't want to heap crap on Elizabeth Warren here. I want to, I want them to be a team." Um, but <laughs> then I got this chilling feeling, right? Because I, you know, she just the Des Moines uh, Register poll just put her way ahead of Bernie, and I thought, oh dear, I know what's going to happen here. What's going to happen here is the press is going to declare that this race is over, that Elizabeth Warren is the unity candidate, that she's Bernie without the baggage, that she can appeal to the center and the left, and that we all just need to rally behind Warren and the race is over. So I've been with you, Matt. I've been trying to not... Uh, stoke this divide. And I've been a little uncomfortable as, you know, Jacobin's been like, this is why Elizabeth Warren's not a leftist. Um, But now I think, okay, well, you know, she's ahead in the polls. She's fair game. And it's time to make these differences very, very clear because it is actually important. This is a primary and there are going to be big differences between who's picked here.
0: Right. And your piece, by the way, is called The Prospect of an Elizabeth Warren Nomination Should Be Very Worrying.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and what's and, and and your your thesis? I mean, it's it's basically that you're not entirely sure that that Warren can't be trusted to slide back to a kind of version of the Democratic Party that's been incredibly disappointing in the past. Is, is that is that unfair, or is is that?
2: Yeah, no. I mean, it's a couple things. Yeah, it it is it is kind of that. It's like. There are things that make me not completely trust Elizabeth Warren. You know, I I love Elizabeth Warren, right? I love, there's nothing more satisfying than watching Elizabeth Warren in a Senate hearing humiliating some CEO or some Treasury official, right? She's great. Ah, <laughs> oh, ah, oh, she, she's wonderful. But uh, at the same time, there are just these very troubling signs. And so there's there's a couple of things. There's the strategic thing where, like, I'm not sure that Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders have the same approach to how to build power. There's the ideological thing, where I'm not exactly sure that they have the same idea of what a better world would look like. And then there's the kind of character thing, where I'm just not sure that I trust completely that Elizabeth Warren isn't becoming more radical in this primary, because she knows that that's where a lot of us are at and needs us to vote for her. Um, There have been things like the fact that she's like, I'm not gonna take Corporate money in the primary, but maybe in the general election because I'm I don't want to you know, I don't want to leave that uh, I, I don't want to take that off the table.
1: Right? Didn't she use that phrase that I can't stand that we we can't unilaterally disarm? Mm-hmm. Right, and that that yeah unilateral, unilateral disarmament. And that's always been a that's a line that that they use they trotted out a lot in 2016. I feel like that was like that was a pretty common social media argument that you saw that. Um, you know, taking corporate money, it's just, it, we have to do it. It's, an, it's a necessary right. evil because otherwise we're not going to win against against the Republicans. But the whole problem of the party has been that its entire mission has been corrupted by its its donors over the years. So I, I, that's yeah. troubling. That, when, I, when I saw that, 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 was, that was upsetting. I don't know if you felt the same way.
2: Yeah, that unilateral disarmament phrase, which translated means, well, so long as the Republicans are being unethical, we're going to be just as unethical because um, we need to be unscrupulous in order to win. Of course, it's a phrase that's used to bash pacifists and anti-nuclear activists, so right. even using that phrase... Right, although uh, she was it, pretty it good is is in a, in,
0: ver- in, um, in her words, at least, about Iran during that debate. Um, mm. The Jake Tapper, of course... Uh, that was the when she and Bernie were standing together. Like, both physically mm-hmm. they were side by side, but also, you oh, know, yeah. ideologically. That oh, was yeah. nice. Um, yeah, I mean, my my the thing I struggle with is, first of all, as we talked about with Will Meniker, um I don't think she's as electable, nearly as electable, as um, mm-hmm. Sanders is against Trump. And I always cite you when I make this point. I always cite you with two points. One is when you say that um, if people think Sanders is old, he should challenge uh uh, Donald Trump to a basketball game. Great idea. And then the other thing is that Sanders is more electable, definitely in this race. I mean, as you said, when I interviewed you, maybe not if the candidate were Rubio or Cruz, um, but definitely when Donald Trump is the nominee, is the president, is the nominee we're running against. Mm-hmm. Um, my challenge is, and then I would love to go over kind of the differences, because I, I do think that sometimes it's hard to explain the differences between Warren and Sanders into kind of more material terms, like besides we get the that there's they have different conceptions of power, um, and different and ideological differences. But what would that look like? Um, but my other challenges, and you can answer this in whichever order you want. But is how we can make that point without bashing her and alienating potential mm-hmm. Sanders supporters.
2: Right. right. And yeah. And we
0: also no, do want them got, to stand yeah. together, right, for a while. We want them to stand yes. together so that there's more than one person on stage who's defending yeah. Medicare for all, even though she doesn't have a plan for it. But it's still good optics and good rhetoric, mm-hmm. right, to not have Sanders being the and only because, one making that point.
2: And because she's really the logical choice for VP. So, you don't you don't really want to undermine her too much because she's so much better. And, and it does feel a little you want to be so cautious because she's like the second best person in the Senate. Right, so if if you're like, no, she's intolerable. Um, it's only Bernie is literally the only person that that we consider to be on our side. Then then that's a problem because she needs to be an ally. She needs to be someone that you work with. She's clearly an incredibly important part of advancing a left agenda in American politics right now. So I. I I try and be real cautious, and in this article I say, well, if the nominee isn't Sanders, by God, it had better be Elizabeth Warren, because the difference between the two of them and the next closest candidate, you know, it, it's just it's just miles. Um, so, yeah, I, I try and be careful, but also I think these differences are really, really, really important, because my big fear, and I think the big fear that a lot of us have, is we really need this not to be the Obama administration again and we need to figure out what went wrong there why did uh obama lead to trump why is it that it felt like such a such a failure and how do we avoid it and i think there are aspects of of, i mean of course elizabeth warren clashed with the obama administration on economic policy and and took them on and they hated her which is great that's a good sign Um, but also there are things that uh, about her that make me think that she has a number of the same delusions about how change occurs the, the main thing that and, and the thing that i write about in this article being that i think she views the world as law professors view the world and i think that's the way that barack obama viewed the world and i think bernie views it as labor organizers view the world and i think the way labor organizers view the world is much more accurate than the way that law professors view the
0: and world. and nathan is a was a lost did you finish law school
2: i did i did i am technically
0: a lawyer so yeah, you say that with a great so authority. I've seen,
2: I've been inside. I've spent a lot of time inside these kinds of uh, elite uh, legal institutions. So I and 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 been repulsed by what I've seen there. So I speak as an insider. I I've seen how the sausage is made, and I have come to report that I wouldn't trust anyone. That any of my law professors are <laughs> to govern the country, and there's a really specific. It's not just it's just not just resentment on my part. There's a really clear reason for that, which is that law professors are policy wonks, right? And policy wonks think about plans. Elizabeth Warren's whole campaign is plans. Here are my here are my really good plans. Um, but the thing that I think we should have learned is that. Plans are nothing without building a movement, and if there's no movement behind you, then you can have the best plans in the world, but all you're going to have is the White House, and that's it.
1: I mean, is, it, is that an, is it an accurate um, description to say the kind of the fundamental difference between the two of them? Bernie's campaign is really about displacing how power works in this country. In other words, he wants, he wants to replace the, the whole coalition of sort of wealthy corporate donors, uh, and the polit- and the Democratic Party uh, with a new a new movement that 's essentially based on you know voters uh, small donations you know sort of people versus institutions, whereas Warren seems to be preaching this idea of a a functioning coalition between sort of large corporations. Uh, market forces. She uses that phrase a lot, mm-hmm. right? She talks about how Ooh, yeah. how we want we want to use market forces yeah. to speed the transition to clean energy, which seems like it's completely an anathema to how Sanders views the whole thing. Um, but I, I think she genuinely believes that, right? I think I think that's that's not mm-hmm. like lip service with her. She actually believes that there's there's this middle ground to be found. But if it feels to me like that's kind of the same thing we've been hearing since maybe the new de- Democrats came along in the late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that inaccurate? I, I, I don't... No, I think
2: I think that's right. There's a lack of cynicism on her part about the motivations, certainly, of elites and of the wealthy, where she says, you know... And her problem, if you notice, her big recent speech uh, in New York, uh, the theme of it was corruption. Yes, yeah, so with corruption the Triangle Shirtwaist a,
0: Factory, right?
2: Right. right? So and I, I love that she talked about the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory. She's been talking a lot about labor history. But she said... Corruption killed all of those women. And I'm not sure that that's quite accurate. Libertarians talk a lot... Free market libertarians talk a lot about corruption. They they don't think the government should be influenced by market actors, right? The government... Uh, uh, but um, people on the left have, generally have a, a slightly different view, which is that the problem is not so much that those people have... I mean, it is that they have too much influence over the government, but the, you can't stop it by just insulating the government. The problem is that you have a... a the, the country is owned by a small group of extremely wealthy and powerful people. And unless you change the structure of who owns things and who has power in society, um, you're not actually going to change anything fundamental. And so Elizabeth Warren uses language that suggests that she's not actually... Now, it's hard because a lot of her policies are great, right? She puts wants to put workers on corporate boards, which is actually a pretty radical policy in America. Um, but, like, the lack of attention in her policies to uh, building labor unions and, um, and enlarging the labor movement. Uh, There's not much about that on her website. And it's a fundamental part of the left worldview that unless you adjust the power balance between workers and owners, you're not really going to change anything. And that's why the labor movement is so central to the left.
0: I was thinking about this. This is kind of a weird question. But what is the definition of corruption? I mean, in, this, in the political context, what does it well,
1: mean? I, I mean? For instance, I, I think Elizabeth Warren's argument about the financial crisis wasn't that there were fundamental issues with how our economy is structured so, in, so much as there were a, a bunch of bad actors who abused the system, mm-hmm. and, and the breakdown w- there was really in the enforce- in the area of enforcement. In other words, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we talk about the subprime mortgage crisis – uh, there, there were controls that were supposed to exist to prevent, for instance, companies betting against their own products, or right. or representing to clients that they're not that they're buying higher rate securities, but when they're actually junk rated. And so she constantly was was hammering the idea that we just need to fix these enforcement issues and everything will be okay. And I think not everybody's convinced of that, right? I think there Sanders would come from the argument that there were fundamental. Problems with the way the economy is organized, right. Structural, as so, opposed to enforcement, right? I think that's what she means by corruption. Like there, there is an ideal there that's mm-hmm. that's that we're we're not reaching, and we could just by mm-hmm. doing doing better. I, I think I think that's yeah, what she means. Yeah. Isn't it?
0: So I I was thinking about this because um, I was talking with Susan Kong about um, some on my show about the Working Families Party and about the the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory. Speech and I was like, so in the example of Triangle Shirtwaist Factory, the corruption in that case would be the lack of enforcement of the mm-hmm. workplace, of the worker, the safety codes. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. And what so if it's not corruption which I think we agree it's not what 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 is it?
2: It's the fact that you have a division between workers and, and owners right which is that the the people who work in that factory are not the ones who are setting the terms of their work and if they were able to um, then you wouldn't have things like that because workers wouldn't willingly place themselves in really unsafe environments. So the project of the left I mean the definition of socialism has always been worker ownership of the of the means of production, not government ownership necessarily, but expanding the role of the people who are actually doing the things in uh, they get more of the benefit from their work and they also get to get to set the conditions. And the problem with the corruption argument has always been that it's very difficult to imagine a world in which the government can exercise really, really strong regulatory powers, but you still have uh, this, this same, the same social power in the hands of owners, right? Like, How are you going to keep them from writing the laws? How are you going to keep them from spending very, very large amounts of money? Money is a kind of power, and until you redistribute wealth, you're really not going to be able to change who has power. That's right. the left argument.
0: And also, we see, for instance, even when you enforce it, like, there have been so many cases of of companies being fined for workplace, Mm -hmm. um, you know, worker rights violations, and then they pay the fine, and it's not worth it to um, follow the workers, the safety codes. So they pay the fine, and then they violate the codes again, because the fine isn't, right?
1: Yeah, or to take another example, like in the financial crisis, you you, you could look at all the major banks were repeatedly fined for the same kind of fraud, and they were, in many cases, they were told by judges, we're going to give you, we're going to let you off with a, a lesser uh, punishment, but you have to promise not to do it again, right. and then they repeatedly do it again, right. and, and there's no, and so that's, when you make the corruption argument, the only way that works is if there's actually an enforcement mechanism that ultimately mm. works, and that's kind right. of the problem there, obviously. Yeah.
2: And, to, and you'd have to imagine, to imagine such an enforcement mechanism, you'd have to imagine the most talented lawyers all going into the government and not into the private sector, while the private sector still has all of the money to pay... Ten times as much as the government, so it's going to be very, very hard to construct a really powerful regulatory apparatus. So long as there's so much concentrated wealth that can buy, that can have teams of a hundred or a thousand lawyers fighting you at every turn.
0: Right. So one of the differences you point out between the two candidates is um, between the the future presidential the future president and his future vice president. By which I do not mean myself, although that's a possibility. But I'll step aside if Warren accepts it. Um, is the means-tested versus universal programs. Mm -hmm. So can you talk about that and the significance of that?
2: Yeah, it, I mean, it sounds like a very wonky thing, but it, it really does uh, speak to a very fundamental difference between the left vision of the world and the kind of centrist liberal vision of the world, which is that a lot of times the centrist liberal vision of the world says, well, we, we're going to give these things to the people who really need it. And that sounds reasonable, right? You don't give free college to Donald Trump's children or whatever. But what when you think about what that actually means in practice, what it means is that people are constantly having to prove that they deserve these public goods, that they're in the category of people who get those things. And if you imagine what that would be like if we applied it to things that we've already got, you can kind of see why it, it breaks down, which is like, yeah, free college, you don't want to give it to Donald Trump children. Okay, but what about free public high school? We give that to anyone. And what about the library? What about the public parks? Um, are you going to say, are you going to start means testing those things? Are you going to say, well, actually what you get is you get, if you're below a certain income threshold, then you get book vouchers. Um, What it means is, and and it also creates this kind of uh, humiliation, or this ritual of like people who are poor are constantly having to fill out forms to say, "I am poor, please give me that, please." I'm begging for the thing. Um, we published an essay called "The Case for a Free College" in Current Affairs by someone who went uh, to uh, community college and got and got a free education, and he was talking about you know how liberating it felt to not have to prove that you were worth the benefits. And so socialists have always said, well you, you should just have these things be universal entitlements because it bonds us together as a society so that the rich, you know, that you can say to rich people, well you get this as well, we all get it, it's something we have in common instead of this kind of like, uh, you know, dribbling it out to people who we deem worthy and if they uh, if they cross the threshold one year then suddenly we it take right. away the benefits, the benefits that we've given them. Right,
0: yeah. And it's stigmatizing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and it's charity, right? It becomes charity as opposed to a universal right, um, and it also becomes much less, much more vulnerable to being cut when you don't have buy-in from everyone. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, I would, you know, there's a reason that Newt Gingrich talks about welfare queens and not social security queens.
1: Do you think that the the press right now is is making a move to? Do you think it's also not just negative about Sanders? That, but they're but they're also pushing Warren as a way to kind of nudge out Biden. I mean, yeah, I think, I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm beginning to get that that impression as well that. You you think know,
0: so? Yeah, I think so.
1: Because they're underreporting the fact that, that Biden's Biden is pretty stubbornly hung on to a lead and you know, throughout the country. And yet we, we almost never see that story being talked about. It's always Warren mm-hmm. surges to a new level or whatever it is. What's yeah. that about? Mm-hmm.
0: I don't think it's because they ideologically dislike Biden. Just to clarify, I think that they think his senility is too much of a, a liability. It's anyway, no, yeah. really, but yeah, so, yeah. What were you saying? Sorry, I cut you off.
2: Well, yeah. If I mean, if we take it to, if if we operate on the assumption that for that class of people, the real aim is anyone but Bernie Sanders, right? Because Bernie Sanders poses a much greater threat than any of the other candidates. Then, yeah, I can see it uh, uh, very much that you would go, well, Biden clearly has some very significant electoral liabilities, like the inability to produce an entire sentence and have the end of the sentence be on the same topic as the beginning of the sentence, which you think, well, we don't <laughs> even care
0: about prepositions, obviously. That's not what we're talking about. Yeah.
2: And so Elizabeth Warren is then okay, someone we can work with. We can deal with Elizabeth Warren. Um, she's a pragmatist. She probably doesn't mean it when she talks about single payer. Uh, I mean uh, Dylan Matthews of Vox just concluded he just examined her healthcare policies and was like, yeah, I don't think she's really very serious about single payer. I'm probably going to ditch it. Um, and and I I, I I agree with that too. So Warren, yeah, does come out as the person where you think, well, and you know, for a while they tried to put push Pete Buttigieg, and that didn't work because he was just such an obvious. Like empty suit management consultant, <laughs>
1: Woodchuck. Yeah no yeah no. It, the, the, my favorite was the was it New York Magazine that had the Halo cover yeah. of him.
2: Oh my right. god. Oh. Yeah,
1: yeah yeah. The, the angel yeah. come to
0: save us. Yeah, yeah New York or New Yorker I can't remember. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm gonna look that up right now. <laughs>
0: um, well also did you guys see the um the the piece in the Washington Post that said Douglas sat for scores of pictures to normalize the idea of black excellence and equality. And Warren's thousands of selfies with supporters could do the same for a female president. Did you see that?
2: Yeah, I did. I did see that.
0: I mean, yeah, that's an amazing comparison. Extraordinary. It is New York Magazine. Extraordinary. Did you hear about this, She is
1: all Frederick Douglass. So they both had their picture taken?
0: A lot of times. A lot of times. And they're smashing it. They're smashing stereotypes.
1: Okay. By having their picture taken a lot, yes, wouldn't that ex- wouldn't that qu- wouldn't anybody who has their picture taken a lot have?
0: Well, she's a woman, and okay. he was a freed slave and black, so they have the underdog thing in common. It's pretty <laughs> offensive. I mean, it's so honest. offensive. I'm just glad that they didn't try to incorporate the native. I'm glad that they didn't say would they would that be she could do the same thing for for a woman president and Native well, Americans
2: everywhere. Actually. Well, now that you mentioned that, I mean, I, I know that everyone wants to get past and bury the native we, thing. Bury the hatchet? Non-issue... Non oh, wow. oh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that was good. It was good. I... Uh, I know everyone wants to get past that, but also, like, if we're thinking about what it would be like in a race against Trump, um, she did fabricate an important aspect of her identity for many years in a really appalling and kind of racist way, and, uh... It, it it might be an issue that she did that and it's also still not clear whether she's clinging to her claim of native ancestry or not because the DNA test suggests that she does still maintain that she is a native person. Right. Uh,
1: yeah, I I, I I struggle with that because part of me admires... Making a mistake and then thinking about it for thirty or forty years yeah, and then double doubling it, yeah. down. Yeah. Like right. that, that takes some guts, actually. Yeah, it does, yeah. You know? True.
0: Yeah. Well, Commitment. Yeah. Either
1: that or severe delusion. But one yeah. one of, you know, they're both interesting.
0: Yeah, and you do know about we, we try to I try to mention this on every show. I don't try it, it just comes up. Pow wow chow, the nineteen eighty four cookbook she contributed to. The cookbook
2: to. is crazy. The cookbook. Ableist. By the way, not only is she in it, listed as cher- Elizabeth Ward Cherokee. Her husband, Bruce Mann, is also contributed a recipe for something that. Sa- What's? Do you know what? Remember what the recipe was that she. Well, contributed one of them, them was
0: crab-based. Matt and I are going to
2: make it actually on one of our shows. Yeah.
0: Is he an ally? Is that what he gets to contribute as?
2: I don't know, but he's listed as a Cherokee in the in the cookbook. <laughs>
0: uh, maybe it's a marital thing. Maybe you marry into it.
2: Oh God! It's just appalling. I action. just
0: I want her to beca- take up Leonard Peltier's no, We, have to, we case. have to make it for
1: the next episode. Yeah, we
0: really do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. and all, and we, okay. we should we should sit down and like watch a football game while oh, shit, we eat it. Or, yeah. Do you think she
0: shit, would pardon good. Leonard Peltier as president? No.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, this is one thing that I I I think is really important that people should think, and this is what I ask people to do in the article: is think about what she'd be like as president, right? Do you trust that she's going to take on like Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi? Like those two are a huge impediment to progress. They are throwing roadblocks in the path of the left. We need to get rid of them. They need to be out and- Are you
0: asking if she'd take out a hit on them? And like,
2: do you, do, I mean, do you really think that she believes that those people need to be gone? I, I don't think
1: I, so. I can see them all in the White House wearing like really goofy Christmas sweaters and celebrating yeah. Christmas together. And Hanukkah. Like with a ah. Schumer with the big, yeah, yeah. And Hanukkah. And right, the
0: creation right. of the earth.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean. Um,
0: she also apparently there's a video of her talking about how she thinks she's Native American because they have high cheekbones. Oh.
1: Did, she, did she say that?
0: Yeah, I just heard about it. I got to look for the video. Yeah. Warren says her great 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 grandmother is
2: Cherokee, but genealogists have yet to confirm that. Warren referenced a photo of her grandfather on her mantle as part of the family lore. My Aunt B has walked by that picture at least a thousand times, remarked that he that her father, my papa, had high cheekbones like all of the Indians do, because that's how she saw it. And she said, and your mother got those same great cheekbones, and I didn't. She thought this was the bad deal she had gotten in life.
0: Um, and, of course, on foreign policy, there's a significant difference. She, I think, thinks that, well, she hasn't spoken a lot about Israel, which which um, Amo, Sandor, Amo Bernie, Uncle Bernie has. Um, she does not have as critical a view of of like, of like American foreign policy in general. She thinks it kind of goes overboard and we shouldn't be fighting as many wars. She actually just spoke to the Council on Foreign Policy. Um, and that would be a good thing for me to review, for instance, before mentioning in any detail. Um, well, just, let's just
1: go out on a limb and, yeah.
0: Yeah, she said that she would um, invade and blow up North Korea, um, overthrow uh, Maduro, Through military force? I'm kidding.
1: She didn't say those things. Install a military dictatorship in Belgium. Yes. Oh wait, didn't
0: we want to? We wanted to. um, What do we want to do to to Denmark? We wanted to invade Denmark. A couple times a year. On general
1: principle. Yeah. General principle.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I I think generally the United States should have warships basically outside of every country, just just threateningly, especially our friends. What's
0: it called? Something in every port.
1: Yeah. uh, well, Isn't that
0: an expression about women or something? Yeah,
1: exactly, yeah, a, yeah. What is
0: it, a wench in every port? It's
1: something, in every port of call, yeah, no. So this
0: could be... An, they, an armada, sh- a
1: battleship yes. in every port, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: They do, f- ships are female, right? Yes. I mean, yes. now we have... Should we, we fact check whether ships do are Do we female? have ships that are like he, him?
1: Um, they, them? No, they're always she, aren't they? Yeah. I think so. We've got to bring yeah.
0: transgender awareness into that sphere. Also, do you know that Elizabeth Warren's Twitter bio oh, yeah. says she, her? I think Kristen Ball told us that.
1: What, the she she declares oh. her pronouns?
0: Yeah, on her Twitter bio, which is good and inclusive, but I don't know if there was any confusion. And I guess the point is that you just make the norm that everyone has to clarify so that you're, it's almost like instead of having means tested, it's yeah. a universal well, thing, but...
2: Elizabeth Warren also has a bad thing on uh, trans issues, which is that in 2012, uh, where a judge ruled that a prison inmate in Massachusetts was entitled to uh, gender reassignment surgery, and she came out publicly and said she thought it was a bad use of taxpayer money, so... um, Well, that's because she
0: (laughs) believes in two spirits, so... You don't have to. Oh, come on! I'm <laughs> <laughs> mocking Native Americans. I'm mocking her, uh, her weapon. You know, I, I didn't say anything. I know Nathan did. Well,
1: yeah. uh,
2: sorry, I just made a noise. It's fine.
0: Nathan, you are silencing and undermining a woman. <laughs> 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 um, Nathan, why should
1: I be? Why should I be a socialist? Yeah, I'm not perfect. one. So, 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 why, why should I be?
0: How do you know you're not one?
1: Because mm. I lived in the Soviet what, Union.
0: What, what, oh, you, you, you probably weren't expecting that.
2: <laughs> wait, wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. <laughs> I think think we might have conflict because one of the things about about my book is that I try and discuss what socialism means. And I think you're probably not a socialist by the conservative definition that socialism means a giant government that runs everything, which I'm not either, because, you know, the funny thing is, like, a lot of anarchists are socialists. Right. And have been historically. Right. Emma Goldman is an anarchist socialist. So it, it can't be that it's about the government running everything. I mean, the historical definition has been about worker control. And in the Soviet Union, worker control was kind of an illusion, as I understand it. I mean, you live there. More than me. But
0: um, think... not under like Stalin. He's not that old, though. <laughs>
2: right. So, I mean, one of the things that, uh, about it is that, that I try and argue is that, I mean, unless we really are empowering working people, unless we are really actually collapsing the divide between the people who own the country and the people who work to do the stuff, that we're not really creating anything resembling socialism, right? I mean, I mean North Korea calls itself socialist. It also calls itself democratic, but it's not a democracy, uh, right? It's, 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 not, it's not a people's democratic republic. It's just a lie. So in many in the same way, a lot of Things that call themselves socialist are not really doing the thing that socialists are talking about doing. Um, I love the Terry Eagleton definition of socialism, which is that a socialist a socialist is just a person who's been unable to get over their outrage that most human beings have lived lives of unremitting toil and misery. And that's kind of where my socialism starts, is with this. Sense, and what I think distinguishes us from liberals which is that we're really really mad at human suffering and at exploitation and since matt you are one of the well it's funny that your book is hate inc and you're ostensibly anti-hate because i feel like hate is very important to me personally and <laughs> i feel like uh, it y- is you the have- moral
0: guy moral compass yeah
2: Yeah, I feel like you have a lot of it too. And I feel like our shared hatred, you know, Alexander Coburn famously used to say, is your hate pure? And that was the test for whether you're a good leftist was whether your hate was pure. And I feel like that's kind of the starting point for my socialist instinct and where I feel that we overlap.
1: That's interesting. All right, I'll, 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 I'll think about but that. But you can't yeah. have the
2: hate without the
0: love. I don't mean that in a That's prescriptive true. way. I mean that in a descriptive way, right? Like I got lots of love, Katie. Like I, got lots of love. I know you do, but I'm saying the, the hate that you have when you're a righteous socialist is the yeah. is based on the love of the people who you think are being screwed over.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I saw it's solidarity. It's a feeling of solidarity. Yeah. It's a very strong feeling of solidarity. That's how I ground that what I call the socialist ethic is in this real sense of identifying with people who are being screwed over. And I think I think a lot of liberals don't really feel that. And I worry that, you know, Elizabeth Warren has showed some of that, but she doesn't show the kind of like, I'm going to fight to the death until we you know until we have a fair society that's what I really really want and that's what really really separates the socialists out it's not so much economic policy um, because you can have a decentralized socialism or you can imagine a centralized socialism uh, it, it really is about that kind of feeling of solidarity and that the outrage, outrage and that right. determination I mean, yes, I agree. and I so are. Matt I'm gonna give you the book and you're gonna be persuaded
1: all right all right well uh, we, we should check in later on that yeah. okay yeah.
0: hate Inc that's capitalist but hate org hate.org mm. would be the socialists perhaps. Yeah. Um or hate.edu depending on yeah. EDU. EDU.
1: All right. Well, excellent. So you just f- finally to wrap up, I mean, do do you think that this this coming sort of confrontation between Warren Sanders and, and and Biden essentially is this going to be a litmus test on what America the Democrats their voters appetite for socialism is or do you think it's going to be about something else ultimately? Mm.
2: The question. Well, you know, I because I believe, as I think you do in the basic thesis of manufacturing consent, I am nev- I'm always cautious about call- calling things litmus tests, because I know right. that people are sold ideas, right. and I think yeah. that... You know, you could call it a litmus test that people haven't supported a giant socialist movement in the past. But I think there are reasons um, for that that go beyond people just don't like it. And also, and that they include the fact that it's constantly misrepresented and there are a bunch of forces working against it. For example, um, the New York Times ran a, a, a story when Elizabeth Warren hit the million donation threshold. Bernie Sanders hit it months earlier. They didn't run a story, right? And so people are going to be sold Elizabeth Warren just as they were sold to Pete Buttigieg. And I think so. It's hard for me to say, well, if they buy, if Warren becomes the nominee, that's really going to be um, a, just like I don't think the fact that McGovern lost shows that leftism is politically discredited in America as a center right country. So I'm cautious about saying things like that. Yeah. All right.
0: Also, really quickly, I just wanted to say that free, I mean, it's, we'll have to talk about this on another episode, but it is interesting that the hate that, that you have and that I have. liberals have hate but it's of people I think that we don't have hate for necessarily I think it's there's a lot of power built into our who we hate whom we hate Um, because I do think that there are people who are redeemable and reachable who liberals write off and have contempt and hatred for Um, and I think that they don't hate the right people they don't hate the powerful people that's who we need to focus our hate on Um, yeah yeah right. yeah righteous hate yeah
2: and you know, SNL did a skit about Jeff Bezos, and the and it was like about he was a hero in the sketch, and he was it wasn't about how awful and exploitative he is. And I thought, oh, that's the problem. You if you look at Jeff Bezos and you don't get enraged, this is the difference between
1: you. Yeah,
0: we should give a test. We should see what areas of the brain light up if it's empathy or rage.
1: Yeah, yeah I yeah. think the the South Park treatment of Jeff, Be- Jeff Bezos was excellent with the the distended head, you know, and. He, yeah, he was just completely loathsome in that one. Yeah, but if you're if you're not satirizing him, I don't think you're you're coming yeah. from the right if place. If you're not,
0: as as Emma Goldman said, um, if I can't dance, I don't want to be part of your revolution. If I can't mock uh, Jeff Bezos, I don't want it. <laughs> then you're not a, a an ally. Then you're a bad person. Yeah. Right, I'm right. just paraphrasing and updating. Yeah. Um, All right, great. Nathan, thank, you, thank so you so much for coming Nathan, on. I, I really you.
1: appreciate it. Yeah, Tremendous we'll have to have you fun. Back.
0: I'm
2: glad I got to talk to you about it. L- yeah. well,
1: I'm, I'm right. going to read your book, and we're going we're to re- revisit this whole should I be a socialist thing or not like, yeah. later. Oh,
2: yeah. It'll be fun.
1: All right. Thanks All right. so much. Thanks, All
2: right. See you both.
1: Bye. Bye. bye now.
0: All right. So you're a socialist, Matt? No. No, not yet. No. Just, okay, but you haven't read the book yet, and that was just a preliminary discussion. You'll have to get, you know, for your own mental well-being you may want to consider
1: it but my basic political instinct is that like political power should be perfectly balanced so that people have as little of it as possible Yeah, because right. because people basically suck
0: wait what years were you in the soviet union again
1: uh at the very end 90 91 oh, so you did live it yeah yeah i was a student in the soviet union wow
0: did you ever see gorbachev, gorbachev? is that how you say it
1: yes i actually encountered gorbachev twice and i once did a practical joke with him where uh, we pretended to be from the New York Jets and offered him a job as the perestroika coordinator uh, of the New York Jets. Perestroika means restructuring. So I wrote to them. And uh, it, he had a this thing the Gorbachev Foundation in Moscow, and we said, you know, our team is going through a period of restructuring, and we thought that you'd be really good to give speeches to the team. You know, Bill Parcells had just been hired, and he's a big fan of your work. And so we sent them this letter, and like within a couple of days, we got this letter back saying the president is willing to fly to New York at oh. your earliest convenience and everything. It was it was pretty. What funny. a team
0: player! Yeah,
1: he really no was. Pun intended. Yeah, yeah.
0: Wow. So then, what did you do?
1: We disappeared. I mean, you know, I changed. Our fax number and everything, but oh, you—you yeah.
0: you should have done it. We should have, have done it. Really well, we offered him a lot of money. That was oh, the thing. the so, problem. Well, yeah. you should have asked. See, so said that money fell through. Would he still do it?
1: Yeah, would he still do would See what a find good, find how
0: good of a socialist he really is. Yeah, yeah. What about um, Boris Yeltsin? You pull any?
1: uh So my my funniest Boris Yeltsin story is that I was in a press conference with him once, and I was in the back with a bunch of American reporters, and uh, this this joke is only funny if you've ever seen the television show Cheers. Yes, have you I seen have. It? Yeah. So um, I was in the back with a bunch of Americans and uh, Yeltsin walked in and he, as always, he was kind of stumbling. Right. And uh, all the American reporters in the back said, Norm, like that. Really? Yeah. And that became like a tradition uh, a little bit in in, in Moscow because, you know, I've never seen... Yeltsin sober right so uh, and now it's too late right yeah yeah He's exactly he is the most obituaried person in history so if you know how the, the networks work they do obituaries ahead of time once you start getting close to death oh yeah because they want to have it in the right, can in yeah. case w- when it happens they Take started the doing the, the Yeltsin obits in like 1990 because he, he looks like so he close he died to, of
0: liver failure
1: right yeah, exactly and they would just change the top you know right and he he was he was close to death so many times like we, we were writing up the Yeltsin is dead stories repeatedly in Russia and uh, tune into to uh, useful idiots again next week
0: yes you can find us on iTunes and you've got to rate and review us
1: Right, because we want to beat Pod Save America. You know, I wasn't into that originally. I was like, more, yeah. I just didn't feel like that was something I wanted to invest myself right. in personally. Right. Now I'm into it. I mean, like, screw yeah, those people. I think screw maybe Pod it should be our Pod Save yeah. America. Yeah. F
0: F Pod Save America. I don't know what they I don't have F. cups
1: like this. They don't
0: have cups like this. They don't have the woke button. Right. Um, and I think that should be part of our mission statement.
1: All right, well, let's beat Pods of America. Yeah. Tune in next week, and uh, thanks for listening. <laughs>